NFL Week 7 is in the books. The Steelers are the only undefeated team after seven weeks of football. The Seahawks fall to the Cardinals. Kyle Murray outduels Russell Wilson on a great Sunday night football game. Also, Baker Mayfield brings the Browns back, has a great game against the Bengals. OBJ gets hurt. Hopefully, he gets well soon. In the Premier League, match day six is in the books. It seems like we can't go one weekend without VAR controversy. We'll touch on we'll touch on some games. We'll touch on the controversy that happened this weekend. My name's Ismael San Juan. This is Hard to Handle Sports, episode number 13. Let's get started. In the NFL, things started off on Thursday with the Giants against the Eagles. Eagles win 22 to 21. Carson Wentz brings them back. Has a great second half to bring the Eagles back against the Giants. The Eagles are now in first place of the NFC East. The NFC East is the worst division of football. The Eagles are 2-4-1, and one, and they're in first place. And that should tell you something about the division. On Sunday, Sunday night, Sunday games, let's go over them real quick. Saints beat the Panthers 27-24. They're trying to keep pace with the Buccaneers and the NFC South. Great, A good win for the Saints. Bills beat the Jets 18-10. Everyone saw that coming. The Jets might go winless. The Bills actually struggled in this game. Their offense is not clicking like it was at the beginning of the season. Josh Allen is struggling. He went from an MVP candidate to now people are questioning how good he really is. The Browns come back and beat the Bengals 37-34. This was a ridiculous game. I'll dive into it. I'll dive into it more in a little bit. Washington versus Cowboys 25-3. Washington football team beats the Cowboys. The Cowboys are reeling. They look like they just keep going into a worse and worse direction every every week. They lose their quarterback. Andy Dalton got knocked out, and none of his teammates went to defend him. No, nobody got on the other, other team's face. It was a bad look for the Cowboys. It's a bad look for McCarthy. That team is a mess. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they fire, if they fire McCarthy before the season ends. Uh, I feel like we're, as the weeks go on, more and more stuff could be blamed on McCarthy. And as the Packers are doing better and better, you can kind of tell that McCarthy was probably weighing down Rodgers and the Packers. He, he He's probably not that good of a coach. It doesn't look like he's reinventing himself for modern day football. And the Cowboys look super ugly. I know Jerry Jones believes in him, but... If the Cowboys keep playing like this, if they keep putting up pathetic performances like this, uh, he might not finish the season. Speaking of the Packers, they bounced back after getting demolished by the Buccaneers last week. They beat the Texans 35-20. to Great game from Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams has the game of the season so far for himself. 200 yards, three touchdowns. Great, great game for them. 35-20, to they beat the Texans, like I said. Good bounce back game for the Packers. The Packers are actually now in first place in the NFC. So there you go. The Lions come back and beat the Falcons 23-22. to The Falcons just love torturing their fan base. There's nothing else that you could say. They just love torturing their fan base. They were down two points. They were in the red zone. If they got a first down, they could kick a game-winning field goal, run out the clock, and everything would be dandy. The Lions had used up all their timeouts, so they couldn't stop the clock no more. And the Lions basically let Gurley score a touchdown. 
And Gurley should know better to not go into the end zone, to take a knee at the one-yard line and run out the clock and then bring out your kicker and you can win the game with the with the kick. But he can't stop his momentum. He shouldn't have been running that hard to begin with, but he's running pretty hard. He gets to the one-yard line. His momentum is carrying him inside of the end zone and he falls inside of the end zone. The Falcons get a touchdown. They go up six after converting the two-point conversion. And then Matthew Stafford has about a minute to go down the field and score the game-winning touchdown, and he does. He brings the Lions back all the, all the way the length of the field, and then he scores a touchdown to Hokinson, and they win by one point, and Falcon fans are on suicide watch. Atlanta fans are on suicide watch because, man, the if you're an Atlanta fan, if you live in Atlanta and you support Atlanta teams or you just support Atlanta teams in general, it's it's been a rough – it's been rough. To see the Falcons blow the way, the games the way they have this season, to see the Braves blow a 3-1 lead, oof, that's tough. If there's any Falcon fans or Atlanta fans watching this, listening to this, I apologize. I I hope you're doing well. Steelers versus Titans. Both teams came in at 5-0. 27-24, the Steelers won. I'll touch, in this, I'll touch into this game a little bit more later. Great game, 27-24. Big Ben's playing good. Steelers go to five and six and zero. Buccaneers versus Raiders, forty-five to twenty. Buccaneers um, pulled away late against the Raiders. It was a close game, but then Brady took over in the fourth quarter, scored three touchdowns just in the fourth quarter to push the lead to forty-five to twenty. The Buccaneers are for real. The Buccaneers are scary, man. Their offense is starting to click. Their offense is starting to look really, really good. It looks like they have MVP Tom Brady. And their defense is still really, really good. So watch out for the Buccaneers. The, I mean, if, if I was a betting man, I'll say that they might come out of the NFC. The way the Seahawks can't stop nobody on defense, it's looking like it's the Buccaneers division. And that's scary, man. I, Brady, If Brady gets another ring with another team, man, that resume just keeps getting better and better. The Chiefs. Chiefs played the Broncos and then they started them 43 to 16. The game was not that close throughout the whole game. The Chiefs offense didn't have to play that well just because the uh, the defense and the special teams dominated. It was a rather easy win for the Chiefs, if I might say. The Broncos they're struggling. They need they need they have a lot of injuries. They're probably a year or two away from being able to really keep up with the Chiefs. The Chargers beat the Jaguars 39 to 29. Herbert. Herbert looks like he's Patrick Mahomes light. He's playing. He might even get to that level. He's his first few games in the NFL have been great. He looks like he's the real deal. I want to apologize to him. I didn't believe in him going into the draft. Everyone's saying that he wasn't ready. And I kind of believed it, especially coming out of the Oregon offense. But he's been killing in the NFL. He looks like the real deal. The Chargers look like they found their QB of the future. Good for them. And, yeah, he's going to compete with Herbert for Offensive Rookie of the Year throughout the whole season. He might be in the lead right now, to be honest. He's been playing that good. The 49ers demolished the Patriots 33-6. to The Patriots are struggling. They probably have the, the worst set of offensive weapons in the whole NFL. They have Edelman and his knees messed up. And then they have Nikhil Harry, who looks like he's a bust, another bust from Bill Belichick trying to draft wide receivers. He's not good at picking wide receivers. 
and their defense, they're on the field too much. They couldn't keep up with the Niners. Niners look like they, they're turning the season around. Do they have too many injuries? Yes. Do they have one of the best coaches in the NFL? Yes. Kyle Shanahan is, is a beast. And unfortunately for them, they play in the hardest division in football, and the divisional games are coming up. So we'll see how the 49ers end, but good win against the Patriots, 33-6. to The Patriots might be regretting leaving, letting Tom Brady go. Seahawks versus Cardinals, 34-37. to I'm going to go into depth for this game in a little bit, but Cardinals pull out the win, 37-34. Kyle Murray is playing amazing. He's making that jump. He's that next quarterback that's making that jump in their second year. Um, it was him. It was Lamar Jackson. His second year starting, uh, Mahomes did it too. It's just a pattern we're seeing with young QBs getting it pretty early and becoming stars really quick. And that's what Kyle Murray seems like he's on his way to do. And the Rams and the Bears finished week seven off with the Rams beating the Bears 24 to 10. The Bears are pretenders. I've been saying this. They were five and one. I didn't believe in them. Now they're five and two. I still don't believe in them. I think they're pretenders. Uh, I don't believe in their offense. Nick Foles is not that guy. He had a great run with the Eagles to win a Super Bowl, but he can't be your starting quarterback for for the whole season. He's he's been given the chance with like multiple teams: the Rams, the Eagles, the Eagles again, and now the Bears. And he just doesn't have it. To be fair, the line the line is terrible. They're not giving him time. But the Bears are not for real, and I could see them just start losing a bunch of games going forward and just falling off a cliff after starting 5-1. and one. But those were the Week 7 scores, Week 7 matchups. It was, a good, it was a great weekend of football. We had a lot of close games, a lot, a lot of close games. One of the games that I wanted to touch on a little further was the Titans versus the Steelers. Steelers won 27-24. They had a 27-7 lead, I believe, early in the third quarter. And then Tannehill hit A.J. Brown for, I believe it was like a slant. And then he just caught it, kept going, ran it all the way into the end zone. It was like 70, 70-something yards. And that sparked their offense. And then Big Ben kind of helped them out. He threw three interceptions in the game. And then the, the Titans had a chance to tie the game, send it to overtime at the end. But uh their kicker, Guskowski, he missed he missed it. It was like a 48-yarder, I believe. He missed it wide right. Unfortunate ending for the Titans. Good for the good for the Steelers. They go to 6-0. Titans are now 5-1. Five, five and one. Uh, What can I say? The Titans, the Titans showed me something. They showed, they showed me they have faith in their offense to bring them back. Um, if it was any other year with the Titans and they and they were down that much, that was it. That was it was a wrap. You you could put a nail on it. Like you could you could turn the channel to a different game. They were not coming back. But Tannehill, the way Tannehill is playing, that turnaround he's made, uh, he has the Titans believing that even if they go down, they could still they could still come back. And I like that about the Titans. Now they have some real weapons. AJ Brown, Davis at wide receiver. You, you don't I don't have to mention Henry. He's a he's a monster as a running back. Might be the best running back in the league. And then they have Smith at tight end. He's a he's a good tight end too. He can run. He could catch. They have some pieces on offense, man. They have some pieces on offense where if they go down big, I mean, that, ideally you don't want to you don't want to be down big. No one wants to be down big. But if they were if they are down big, you you have faith in them that they could come back. Obviously, they're not a offensive powerhouse like like the like the Chiefs were. The Chiefs the Chiefs are like the the top the, on top of that list. 
where even if they're down a lot of points, you're still like, okay, it's the Chiefs. Like they have one of the best offenses ever, and they could always come back in any game. And they showed it last year on their way to the Super Bowl. The Titans are not there. Don't get me wrong; they're not, they're not, they're not on that level. But now you're starting to get a little more comfortable with like, okay, this game's not done. If we go down big, we have faith in Tannehill. I have faith in our weapons. I have faith in our offense that. You know what? They they'll give us a chance at least to to be there at the end, and that's all you could ask for. It's for when when there's five minutes left in the game, that you still have a chance to win the game, and then anything can happen in those in those last five minutes. But good for the Titans' offense. I feel like they're getting better. That was one of the things that I didn't like about them last year going into the playoffs. I feel like they they were a little shy, letting Tannehill do his thing in the playoffs. But now that he's been there for a year, he's here this year, I feel like if they get in the playoffs, they'll be a more competitive team because um, their offense is playing a lot better now. As far as the Steelers, the Steelers 6-0. I don't know how many people could have seen that coming. Uh, Big Ben was coming off an uh, elbow injury last year. He only played two games. He's really old. He's like 38 now, I believe. He's from that 4 draft class. He's been in the league for 16 years now. Him and, and him and Rivers are still chucking along, which is crazy. That draft class was one of the best for QBs. Shout out to Eli Manning, Rivers, and Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger was actually not turning the ball over that much this season. But he threw three picks last, uh, I mean, this weekend against the Titans. And they kind of kept the Titans in the in the game. He could have sealed the game at the end. of the at the at end. He tried to force the throw down the middle. It got picked off. Gave the Titans a chance to go for the tie or the win. But the Steelers' defense, that's that's a real key. That defense is stifling. They held Derrick Henry to, I believe, un- under 100 yards. It might have been under 80 yards. I believe he got like 75 yards. That defense, that front seven might be the best front seven in the NFL, led by T.J. Watt, J.J. Watt's younger brother. He's he's amazing. He's he's getting up there in, in like defensive ranks. Like He's top 10 in the league at his... Just defense overall, not even just at his position. He's he's a real impact player. He's real good. And then their offense, their offense looks pretty good. Juju, Claypool, Johnson, Washington, and then Connor's running the ball pretty good. Steelers look strong, man. The Steelers look strong. For a while, they were always one of those teams that was there in the playoffs. The Steelers and the Patriots, I believe, made up like most of the AFC championship games. Maybe not against each other, but they were always there. I saw a stat. I saw a stat like not too long ago. I said like when one of those two teams missed it, that was the first year that the Steelers or the Patriots weren't in the AFC Championship for like the last fifteen years or something, which is crazy. But it looks like Big Ben still has a little juice in his arm. He has a little juice, a little thread left on his tires. Steelers are six and zero. They're the only undefeated team left. Uh, a lot of people were saying that the Steelers hadn't played anybody when they were four and zero, but now they played the. Browns, who were four and one coming into the into their game and just destroyed them, and then play the Titans, who came in at five and zero, and they beat them down too. So the Steelers now have played two good teams, and they've came out on top both times, and now they play the Baltimore Ravens next weekend. So that's going to be a great game. The Ravens come in at five and one, I believe, against the six and zero Steelers. Whoo! That's going to be a great game. Can't wait to see it. That's probably gonna it's it's gonna come down between the Ravens and the Steelers for the division. I think the Browns are might are probably gonna make the playoffs, but they're not gonna be in contention for for uh, the AFC North. So next week, 
next weekend's game is going to be real key. Steelers versus Ravens. That's going to be real special. I think I'll say the Ravens pull the pull the win out. The Ravens are going to beat the Steelers next weekend. That's my take. But the other team in this division is the Browns and the Bengals, and they played they played this weekend and they had a great game. The Browns and the Bengals, thirty-seven to thirty-four. Baker Mayfield started zero for five and a pick. And man, if you if you would have been on Twitter at that time, everybody was just going in on Baker Mayfield. Everybody was criticizing him. Everybody was taking the opportunity to say, all right, the Browns need to move on from Baker Mayfield. He's not the guy. And I was kind of, I was ready to tweet some stuff out too. I was ready to just bag on him and be like, okay, this Baker Mayfield experiment is over. Like, what are we doing here? The Browns missed again on a quarterback. Like, I feel sorry for the Browns. I was, I thought I was going to see like one of those, uh, that jersey. I think it's in Cleveland where it has all the names of the quarterbacks. And there's so many quarterbacks that have played for them like over the last few, like years, like 20 years that like the names are coming out of the jersey now because there's been so many and they've all been terrible. And I was like, damn, are they going to put Baker Mayfield's name next? Like, is this it? And unfortunately, on that interception that he threw, uh, OBJ was the intended receiver, and when the defensive back picked it off, OBJ hustles back to try to make a tackle. And then when he tried to slow down, I, I think his knee buckled or something happened. Didn't look right. He fell to the ground. He was out for the game. And unfortunately, yesterday on Monday, they confirmed that he tore an ACL and he's done for the season. So I feel bad for OBJ. He's one of the stars of the NFL. He's one of the faces of the NFL. Everyone knows everyone everyone knows who OBJ is. He's one of the biggest stars of the NFL. It's just unfortunate. It's it's unfortunate when anybody gets injured, but it's even more unfortunate when like one of the stars, one of the recognizable players of the NFL gets hurt. So I wish OBJ the best. I hope he recovers. I know he's going to come back strong. And I know he's still going to be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL or one of the top 15 wide receivers in the NFL. But as far as Baker Mayfield, he turned it around after after starting 0 and 5 and throwing that pick. He went 22 for 23 for almost 300 yards and five touchdowns. And that incompletion that he had it was, I think it was on the last drive when he had a clock hit and he had to uh, to to stop the time from going from from running. So that goes to show he basically ended 22 for 22 for five touchdowns and like 300 yards. That's ridiculous. I don't care if it's the Bengals or anybody else. That's impressive. Baker Mayfield just, I don't know, he flipped the switch. Everyone's saying that it's because OBJ it's because OBJ left the game and now he didn't have the pressure to throw the ball to OBJ. And there might be some truth to that, but I don't agree that he should play better now without OBJ. OBJ is a star. He demands double teams. He's we've, We all know what OBJ could do. And I think it's doing a disservice to OBJ to say that the Browns are better without him. I think if that is true, that the pressure to throw to him is like so strong that it causes him to make mistakes or stuff like that. I think Baker Mayfield just needs to be more headstrong and understand that it doesn't matter if I have OBJ or not. Like the ball is in my hand. I'm the only player that touches the ball on every play. And I'm gonna make the best decision with this football no matter which wide receiver feels any type of way. If he does put pressure on him or not. So if he does put pressure on him and he and he struggles because of that, then he just needs to get more headstrong and be more like assertive and just say, hey, I'm the quarterback. I'm going to throw it to who I know, whoever I see that's open. And not just because OBJ's out now, he's going to play with the freedom to just hit anybody. 
So I don't I don't agree that the Browns are better without OBJ. But with that being said, Baker Mayfield did look great. He was connecting with wide receiver after wide receiver. He was just spreading the ball pretty good. That last drive against the Bengals when they were down um, was a thing of beauty. That touchdown on the right-hand side was amazing. And I think he threw it to Peoples-Jones. Who, who, who's Peoples-Jones? I don't know. But those were the wide receivers that the Browns had on the field at the time. And Baker Mayfield just made it work. So hopefully this is a this is a thing a thing this is a sign of things to come for Baker Mayfield because if the Browns get a quarterback that's consistent if they can get this consistent uh, game from Baker Mayfield then they could be dangerous they could be a, a real like threat because they have some pieces on defense and they have some weapons on offense I know they're kind of hurt right now but some of them will come back they could piece some wins together get Baker Mayfield some some confidence by the time the playoffs comes who knows because they don't play a winning team in like a month a team with a winning record they have like four games with teams under 500 and then they play the titans in like a month i believe like december something so hopefully this is a sign for baker mayfield to just get better and use this as a springboard to just keep playing better and better and better because he looked amazing yesterday and now they don't have obj so now it's really baker mayfield's team and uh hunt or Chubb, Chubb is still out, so let's go, Baker Mayfield, let's do it. As far as the Bengals, the Bengals look like they have a mess of a team, but they have Joe Burrow now, and he's been amazing. He's Like I said, he's going to contend with Herbert for Offensive Rookie of the Year, and the Bengals just need to get rid of all the problems they have in their on their team. I know there's a, there's a couple players that keep saying they want to leave the Bengals. I think Dunlap uh, is, like, tweeting on that he's selling his house in Cincinnati because he's not getting playing time. They just they need to get rid of these players. They need to just start fresh. They they have a young quarterback that looks like he's elite, that they have a real future with him. So just get rid of all the problems on the team. If there's players that are not getting playing time and they want to leave, just let them go. Get some draft picks for them. Try to build try to build a winning culture in Cincinnati. That's what they need to do. Is just get rid of all the problems. If AJ Green probably Try to get something for AJ Green. He's getting older. He's probably not going to be part of the process. Try to get something for him. Try to get something for Dunlap. Just clean the house out for all like the older players that aren't performing anymore. The players that don't want to be there. And just build a nice, safe environment for Joe Burrow. Because he looks like he's the real deal. And he's making it work right now. The wins aren't stacking up. But you could just tell that Joe Burrow is the truth. And they need to help him out. Don't don't mess up Joe Burrow. Don't, don't do him a disservice. And keep players that don't want to be there on that team. But the NFC North looks really scary going forward. If Baker Mayfield could play like this, could be consistent and and just give us obviously he's never going to have 22 for 23, five touchdowns going forward. This is a ridiculous game. It's what's going to be one of his career highlights, however long his career is. But if he could somehow get to that level or get close to that level consistent consistently, the Browns have their QB of the future, and he'll be nice. The Bengals have Joe Burrow, and the Baltimore Ravens have Lamar Jackson. So good luck to the Steelers once Big Ben is out because that division is going to be tough for years to come. And Big Ben, I don't know how many years he has left. He's, I believe he's 38, 39, maybe a couple years more, but they need to start thinking, what are we going to do going forward? Because they don't want to be left without Big Ben and have – no quarterback, no no plan going forward. In this division, with Burrow, Mayfield, and Lamar Jackson, 
it's going to be tough. So good luck to the Steelers this season. This is probably going to be the best chance to get another ring with Big Ben and then start looking towards the future because you need a quarterback in this division. Um, another game that I wanted to talk about the last game for this week was the Seahawks against the Cardinals battle of the two teams in the best division in football the Seahawks and the Cardinals they both play in the NFC West and that division is tough these division games are coming up so it's going to be crucial to win these games all four teams in that division might make the playoffs now that there's an extra playoff spot so it's going to be fun to see how things play out but if you missed the game, it was a great, great game. Sunday Night Football, probably the best game. The best Sunday Night Football game of the season. The Cardinals the Cardinals looked strong. Like, at first, it, it kind of felt like the Seahawks were going to pull away. But Russell Wilson made, he threw three interceptions yesterday. Super rare for him to do that. That's not like him. But the Cardinals were able to capitalize on those, on those uh, turnovers, especially at the end. Um, in the in the in the overtime, they they capitalized on the on the Russell Wilson pick, and they were able to score the game winning touchdown. That game was so like I'm I'm losing my train of thought right now because that game was ridiculous. At first, it looked like the Seahawks were gonna win. It looked like they were gonna go away and push their lead and just take control of the game, and then they couldn't. The Cardinals came back, forced the game to overtime. They were down ten with like. Six minutes left, and Kyle Murray drives them. They score a touchdown. They stop the Seahawks. They get the ball back with like a minute. They drive and get a, a game time tie, a field goal to send it to overtime. And then in overtime, it looks like the Cardinals are going to win. They kick a field goal. They miss. The Seahawks get the ball. Screen pass to DK. He runs it into the end zone. Seahawks win. Walk off touchdown. It gets brought back with a holding call. The very next play, Russell Wilson throws a pick. And you're like, what? what's going on? You're just baffled at how much action is going on in this game. And then Kyle Murray completes like two more passes. Runs, runs, I think he ran it like one more time. Gets his field goal team out there again. And this time they convert and they win. And if you're watching that game, you're just holding your breath like, whoa, what did I just watch? This game was amazing. And there were so many good plays going on. I think uh, Russell Wilson was like at the five-yard line trying to throw a, a touchdown pass to Chris Carson. And he didn't see Puka Bader cutting, undercutting Carson. He gets picked off. And it looks like they're going to run it back for a pick six. And DK Metcalf, with the physical specimen that he is, he's super fast. I think he ran like a 4-3 in the, in the NFL combine. Just catches up and tackles him at the five-yard line. And the Cardinals are not able to push it in with from the five-yard five line in. And they go for it on fourth down and they don't convert so DK Metcalf just saved seven points, or at least three, but he saved seven points from the Seahawks. It was a crazy, crazy game. Like the World Series was going on too, but I just had to keep putting it back to the Sunday Night Football game because it was just a good, good game. Um, Hopkins had another great game. He had like ten catches, a hundred yards. Larry Fitzgerald just keeps adding to the record books. He keeps getting catches. He's one of the best wide receivers of all time. He's right there beneath Jerry Rice in most records now. He's a great, he's a, he's just a great, everyone always says that he's a great man and he's one of the character guys in the NFL. So kudos to Larry Fitzgerald. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was an amazing game. Seahawks lose their undefeated season. I think they lose Chris, Chris Carson. I don't know for how long he's going to be out, but 
that could be a problem because they rely on the running game at the end. I think they kind of suffered from not having Chris Carson. They didn't have a running back that they could just run it down the middle of, of the Cardinals defense and try to get some first down and end the game. Tyler Lockett had 200 yards receiving and like 15 receptions, like two or three touchdowns. Most underrated wide receiver in the NFL is Lockett. He's amazing. Him and DK Metcalf make a great partnership. Uh, they're going to have to rely on that offense because the Seahawks defense for, <laughs> we went from the Legion of Boom from the Seahawks to now having this, this defense that can't stop anybody. So there's a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson to score points and to not throw three interceptions in a game because that defense can't stop anybody. So good luck to the Seahawks because good luck to Russell Wilson. He's going to have to carry that offense. He's going to have to carry that team because that defense that defense, they they should probably trade for some somebody, but I don't know how their pick situation is looking like. That defense is struggling, and they they need they need to do something for that defense because I have them going to the Super Bowl, but that's not a Super Bowl winning defense, or that's not that's not gonna get you through the NFC. Because if you go to if you go to the Packers and Aaron Rodgers is playing good, it's gonna be rough. And if you go to the Buccaneers now that they have Brown and they still have Evans and they have Godwin. It's gonna be rough. So, if I'm the Seahawks, I try to, I try to get Adams back. I don't know. I still, I still don't think Adams was back. So hopefully he gives them a big lift. But they need, they need a, they need a trade for someone that could get after the quarterback. Because they were saying on the telecast, on the, the commentators were saying that they, they just get no pressure on the quarterback. They get no pressure. They're like the worst team at pressuring the quarterback. <laughs> and in today's NFL, if you don't pressure the quarterback, your defense has no chance because then the quarterback just has all day and eventually somebody's going to get wide open. So Seahawks need to fix that. They're still they're still fine. They're 5-1. and one. I don't think the ceiling is falling on them or anything, but they do have a lot of divisional games coming up and the Rams, the Niners, and the Cardinals are all tough teams. So we'll see how that goes. As far as the Cardinals, great win for them. They had some dumb losses at the beginning of the season so that might hurt them going forward but to beat the Seahawks in the fashion they did there's good things good things to come Kyle Murray looks like he's the truth he kind of looks like Russell Wilson but like faster and quicker so and I like how they traded for Hopkins I I gave him props when that happened I I give him props a lot for doing that I think if you have a young quarterback you got to give him at least one elite wide receiver and Larry Fitzgerald is great but he's old so he's not an elite wide receiver no more he's just like a pretty good wide receiver so good job for them hopefully they could build on this and i'm i might say that it, it, it looks like all four teams might make the playoffs like i kind of want that to happen i want the nc west to be well represented i want all four teams to make the playoffs and then we'll see what happens but that i think that'll be good that'll be some good storylines to have all four teams just make the playoffs and then one of them they're, they're gonna end up matching up against each other in the playoffs and these NFC West teams always have good games when they play against each other. So that'll be fun. I think it'll be fun. And hopefully the Cardinals could stay consistent and at least get a wild card spot and make the playoffs. <clears throat> but that was it. That was it for a week seven of the NFL. I wanted to transition into the Premier League. The Premier League match day six is now in the books. It ended yesterday with Liverpool, uh, Tottenham beating uh, who did they beat? Who did they beat? Uh, Tottenham beat Burnley 1-0. That was the last game of match day six. 
Uh, quickly, I'm going to go over the scores real quick. Leeds United beats Aston Villa 3-0. Surprising result. Aston Villa had been perfect. They had won all their games. Leeds United gets three goals from Patrick Bamford. They went three. They went 3-0. Aston Villa loses their first game. West Ham ties against Man City. Surprising result. We keep thinking Man City is going to just finally get, get, get the balls rolling, start clicking on all cylinders, and this is not the weekend. They tie against West Ham 1-1. Crystal Palace beats Fulham 2-1. Manchester United and Chelsea tied at 0-0. Game, uh, it was it was a pretty hyped-up game. I thought there was going to be a lot of goals. Watched the whole game and it didn't live up to the expectations. But there was a lot of controversy. I'll touch on it in a little bit. Liverpool and Sheffield. Liverpool beat Sheffield 2-1. Come back from 1-0. Another little controversial call in that game. I'll touch on that in a little bit. Everton lose to Southampton 2-0. Surprising result. Didn't see that coming. Wolves tied a Newcastle 1-1. My Wolves. Oh, my Wolves. They were up 1-0. Jimenez scored a banger. And it looked like they were going to win. And then Newcastle tied it at the end. Soft, soft foul. That, that They got a free kick out of it right outside the box. And then I think the right back was able to curl it on the free kick. Ties 1-1 against Wolves. Arsenal loses to Leicester City 1-0. Leicester City gets another win. First win against at Arsenal and I think they said like 40 years or like 39 years. So big win for Leicester. And then on Monday, Brighton ties 1-1 against West Brom and Burley loses 0-1 to Tottenham. <clears throat> uh, the first game I wanted to talk about was City versus West Ham. The game started with uh, Antonio scoring an overhead goal in the 18th minute. Great, great goal. Put City in a hole. And once again, like once that game started, I was like, whoa, here we go. Like another another hole that City has to dig themselves out of. And it just seems like it's been going on a lot recently that City leads or City gives up a lead or is, is down against like an inferior team. And... They were they were able to score like at the very beginning of the second half in the first fifty first minute. Foden sneaks into the box, gets a pass, slots in the bottom left corner. Good goal, good goal for City. And then after that, City was on top. City was dominating the game. City had the most chances. City had the most possession, like they usually do. But as is, as has been customary this season, they've been kind of struggling to score goals. And the game ended one one. Man City drops points again. It's not the end of the world. I feel like I say this every weekend. It's not the end of the world because other teams are dropping points too. But Liverpool didn't drop points, and now they're tied for first place with Everton. And City just can't keep. City just can't get a, a win streak going. Every weekend, I feel like, all right, this is this is gonna be the start of a win streak for Man City. This is gonna be the weekend that they get everything getting everything good. They get everything firing on all cylinders. This is gonna be the weekend where we're gonna see Pep's Pep's Man City play beautiful soccer and then they're gonna finally like score big and destroy a team and then we're gonna be like okay this is this is the man city that we're accustomed to seeing where they just score goals for fun and they always dominate the, the opponent and another weekend has passed and that still has not happened tie one one against west ham aguero was taken off at halftime he only played 45 minutes he has been their main goal scorer for years basically since he's been there He's always been their top scorer unless he's like missed a lot of the season because of injury. And even most season when he's when he is gone with injury, he still ends up being their top scorer. So I feel like 
They need him to get going. They need him to find his form because they kind of rely on him to score goals. And without Aguero, no one's really stepping up to score goals. I don't know if Aguero's getting old. He He's piled on a lot of injuries throughout his career. So I don't know how much he has left on the tank. But he only played 45 minutes. To be fair, when he went out, Foden came in and they looked like a better team. And Foden ended up scoring the only goal for Man City. So I don't know if... I don't know what they do. Like, you got to get Aguero in form, but they play better without him. So it might just be time to move away from Aguero or hope he gets into uh, into into rhythm, into form. Uh, there was this pregame interview from Klopp before the Liverpool game that I saw on the NBC uh, coverage. And he was just, like, saying how it's not fair for City to play the early, early game on Saturday, that they played Champions League, they're tired, they they're traveling and for them to play the early morning games like why can't they play Sunday I believe he was saying that he's not complaining but like we've seen Pep like talk about it and it's just like the EPL the Premier League doesn't help him out and it is what it is they're gonna play but like they don't have enough players to be fit they're like their players are fatigued they're just trying to throw a lineup onto the field of players that are fit so I could see that I could see that as an excuse to why Man City tied against West Ham the players were were tired, like Klopp said. Like you're just gifting the other team, like an opportunity to win. But Man City have a deep squad, and they just have more quality. Like their quality of players is way greater than West Ham's. So I don't think that's a big enough excuse for them to not win at West Ham. <coughs> Sorry, but the last three games for Man City, they tied one-one versus Leeds. Leeds United, they beat Arsenal 1-0, and now they tied West Ham. So that's that's not that's not what you want to see from Man City. Hopefully they turn it around. They they did uh, beat Porto 3-1 in Champions League over the week before this weekend, but like they weren't. It wasn't a spectacular goals either. It was like a penalty, a free kick, and like I forgot the other goal. But they're not playing that great of soccer. I hear I hear that there's they're missing Silva. A lot of people are saying that they're just missing Silva's cre- creativity. And when, now that he's gone, they don't have nobody to play that role and they really relied on him like moving players and getting into spaces and just opening up the field, like being the genius that he is. So hopefully Foden could could play that role or they just find another little magician cuz that Man City football that we're so used to enjoying, even though if, whatever your feelings are in Man City, I know a lot of teams don't like him. You, you could admit that they, for the most part, they play pretty entertaining soccer. And this season, they haven't been playing that that well. So we'll see if they're able to turn it around. Now, if there's some highlights, Cancelo, Cancelo played the left back. He played good. He he had the assist on the goal. And he just looked dangerous on the left flank the whole game. And Sterling, Sterling just needs to, he, he gets in position. He gets chances. He just needs to improve his finishing. He he always for the most part he he always comes across a chance or two every game, so if he's able to put them out, put them away, then they should probably be in good shape. But we'll see we'll see how it goes for Man City. Um, they play Liverpool in two weeks, so they have one more week to get to get into rhythm, because that Liverpool game is going to be crucial if they want to. They got to beat Liverpool if they want to catch up to them. So we'll see how they do in two weeks. Tied against West Ham, it's not it's not the result they want. It's not the start of the season that you want, but. A lot of people have faith in Pep. I kind of have faith in Pep when it comes to league. So we'll see how it goes. I did have Man City winning the league now that now that uh, Liverpool lost Van Dyke, But 
they're it looks like they're not they're taking it's they're taking their time to turn to turn the boat around. So we'll see how how much longer they they keep playing like this and if they do turn it around soon. <clears throat> Manchester United versus Chelsea 0 0. Um this was probably the game of the week going into the week. Everyone like highlighted this game and the schedule. Man United versus Chelsea. Chelsea, you know, get to show off their their new front three or their new signings against Man United. They both haven't had a clean sheet going into this week. They both like to score goals. They have a pretty potent offense, both teams. Everyone thought it was going to be a high-scoring game. Everyone thought, you know, it was going to be really fun because there's going to be a lot of goals. It's going to be entertaining. There's probably going to be a lot of mistakes from the defense. There's going to be a lot to talk about. And 0-0, frankly, the game wasn't that good. <clears throat> the the most the most entertaining thing about the game was another VAR controversy. Uh, Maguire basically hugged Espelicueta, put him on a headlock, on a free, on a corner kick, and nothing got called. Espelicueta got up screaming, and, and even the commentators when they saw the replay, they were like, "Okay, they're probably gonna take a look at this once the ball goes out or once the play stops." And then right after that play, Rashford takes the ball on the other on the Chelsea's half now and he's pushing towards towards their box and he falls he, he gives like a pass and he falls and then right after that VAR starts reviewing like a play and everyone like that's watching everyone that I saw like on Twitter thought all right like they're probably checking the previous foul that Maguire had on Espelicueta that's probably what they're checking but they were actually just checking the the Rashford like tumble that he had on the Chelsea box they were checking that instead of checking like the clear and obvious penalty that Maguire had on Aspilicueta and that was that got me mad because if you guys don't know I'm I've I've said to get rid of VAR I think fixing VAR is going to be like difficult just because it's people that are controlling it it's, it's a machine but people are making the decision and I just don't believe they have the capability to make that decision or it's not going to be quick enough I don't know there's a lot of things that VAR could use to get fixed and it just seems like we're so far away from fixing it that if it was up to me I would just scrap it just go back to how it was because there was controversial calls before but we didn't talk about them as much as now like now everything's just amplified if if a call gets missed it's like why did it get missed when we get VAR and sometimes there's missed calls because of VAR like Really, that's a penalty, or like that's an offside, or like that's like what do you? Is I don't know. I'm going to hold VAR rant, but it was disgusting how the referees didn't even take a look at it again. It's it kind of like I don't want to say it, but it it, it kind of feels like there's favoritism in these VAR calls. Like I don't know who's controlling this rest, or there's anything going on behind closed doors, but it just feels like some teams just always get VAR decisions for them, and then some teams just always catch the end of the stick when it comes to VAR. And Manchester United seem to be one of those teams that usually get the good side of VAR. Because uh, it was just, it was like a slap in the face. That the Spelicueta foul, Maguire fouling Spelicueta, didn't get a review. But when Rashford got like just a little grace, or like not even like, it was nothing. It was nothing. It was really nothing. And they took the time to go review that foul when it happened literally like 35 seconds after the one that was a foul and it was clear and obvious. For the regular viewer, it was just a slap on the face. I know Twitter was blowing up. Everyone's talking about it. Like, what? Like, are you serious? How is this even possible that you you have the nerve to check this one but not 
the one that is a foul 30 seconds earlier. I'm not going to keep talking about VAR. It was a disgusting call by the ref, disgusting by the people upstairs that control VAR. <clears throat> but let's move on. Just hopefully for our sake, for the sake of soccer, VAR gets better. The people controlling VAR, the people that make decisions to review plays, hopefully they tidy up their uh, their calls and they get better. But uh, for Chelsea, Mendy, the, the, their new keeper, he looks like he's really good. Uh, if they had Aspilicueta, Chelsea probably would have lost 2-0 to, to Manchester United. Aspilicueta wouldn't have made those saves that, that Mendy did. He had a one-on-one against Rashford that he stopped with his foot in the first half. Great, great use of the feet by Mendy. And then in stoppage time, um, Rashford had the ball like inside, right, right inside the box. and He cut in to his right foot. And he tried to curl it to, to the right post. And it looked good, man. As I was watching the game, I was kind of like leaning back in my bed. I was like, whoa, he's he's going to put that on the top right. Or like he's going to – it looks like he's going to curl it. And that's he's, it's going to be like a walk-off game-winning goal by by Rashford. And Mandy flew, shuffled his feet, flew, put a hand on it, pushed it to the side. And it was just a great save by Mandy. And everyone kind of knew like, okay. He's better. He's better than Aspilicueta. If, if uh, I mean, he's better than Kepa. If Kepa was there, they would have lost this game. So good signing for good signing for Chelsea. For both teams, if you want to take a positive from this, is that both defenses played rather good. Maguire was actually playing really good before the whole controversy thing. Like he needs to get those those moments out of his game. But he he was like pretty solid at the back. There was a lot of crosses that kept going into the into the half, and he it, it always found Maguire's head, just knocking them out of out of his out of danger for Manchester United. So he was playing he was playing good. He was everywhere basically. Every time every time that Chelsea had a ball, you kind of heard like the Maguire's name through the commentary. Oh, Maguire clears it. Maguire clears it, or whatever. So pretty solid game for Maguire. Thiago Silva probably had the best game at, as a blue as a Chelsea player. Um, Cavani made made his debut for Manchester United. He looked pretty dangerous. He looks like he still has, you know, a lot of good games left in his on, on his legs. He looked dangerous. He looked like he still has his movement. He almost scored a goal in the near corner where he just made a run to the first post. Not that big of a touch, but he knows just how to push the ball. And it went right on the side of the net. But Cavani looks like he's going to be a good signing for Manchester United. I don't know who they're going to bench or who who their starting front three is going to be, but I think Cavani should be the starter, maybe Rashford on the side. And I don't know. They got to figure out how to get Cavani on the field because he looks like he's dangerous. And like I said, Thiago Silva had his best game as a as a blue. He there was a there was a there was a play at the end where Cavani made a great run and he he was going to like position himself to score the game winning goal. And Thiago Silva read his movement. They both used to play at PSG, so they know each other. And he he read Cavani's movement perfectly, and he cut him off right in time to make a sliding challenge right as Cavani shot the ball. And that was it was it was a good defensive play by Thiago Silva, and everybody was like, "Okay, there we go. Now we got now we got some defenders in our back four for Chelsea." So hopefully Thiago Silva can stay healthy and he can stay consistent because even though he's 36 years old, I believe he's 30. He's old. He's an old center back. He's the best center back for Chelsea. I, I applauded them for getting him at uh, at the end of the transfer market because he's he's a solid center back and they need as much center back help as they could get. So 
it was a rather boring game, but we'll take it as long. I'll take it as long as there's no VAR controversy. If it's a boring game and there's no VAR controversy, then it's fine. But it didn't live up to the to the hype, to be honest. But it is what it is. Both teams could take a positive from it. They at least kept a clean sheet for Chelsea. Thiago Silva looked good and Mendy looked good at the back. So hopefully that shores up their back line and their keeper situation. And then their forwards, they should be fine. They have a lot of talent on the front, so they should be fine. As far as Manchester United, Maguire played good. Other than the dumb foul he made that didn't get checked by VAR, he played good. Um, Their offense wasn't clicking today, but they had their chances. So going forward, hopefully, you know, both teams could start, you know, playing solid defense and their goal scorers start scoring goals for Manchester United. Cavani looked good. He's probably going to score some goals for them this season. It's going to help him out. But that was match day six of the Premier League. Another good weekend of soccer. Match day seven is going to be a uh, another good one. Uh, some key games. Just looking at the looking at the schedule real quick. The most uh, eye-catching game for next weekend, it's probably Manchester United versus Arsenal. That one should be good. And then we have Liverpool-West Ham. We'll see if West Ham could continue, you know, getting ties from big teams. Manchester City plays Sheffield. This is probably the weekend that Manchester United is going to turn it around and start playing really, really good. Chelsea play Burnley, so they'll probably get back on on track too versus Burnley. Uh, Everton plays Newcastle. We'll see how they do. Leicester plays Leeds. That should be another good game. We'll start the weekend off against Crystal Palace. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But thank you so much for listening to me. Thank you so much for subscribing to my podcast, to my YouTube channel. Wherever you're listening to this, I appreciate every single one of you guys for listening to the podcast. Appreciate the support. This has been Hard to Handle Sports Podcast, Episode 13. My name is Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great morning. Have a great afternoon. Whatever time you're listening to this, have a great time. Thank you.